This episode of Above and Beyond is sponsored by Compassion International. To sponsor a child today, simply visit Compassion.com slash above. Cairo, Seattle. In episode nine of Above and Beyond, I again step outside of, I guess, some of my comfort zone a little bit. Um, you just heard my story over episode seven and eight, and I think you saw and heard the son of a coach and a control freak and a perfectionist. And this one, we actually taped, this was our second taping way back in spring training. So this is being released in July of 2017, and it was in March of spring training with the Seattle Mariners that I had a chance to sit down with someone that I did not know at all. I knew that Steve Ciszek was a Christian. I knew that he was very outspoken in his faith and and his relationship with the Lord and, and, and wanting people to know that. I reached out to the chaplain of the Mariners and said, hey, well, I'm down here at spring training. I've got this podcast thing that's going to be coming. Do you know of a guy or two that I could sit down with? And he said, you have to sit down with Steve. I think you'll really enjoy getting to know him. And Tim Gatos, the chaplain of the Mariners, was 100% absolutely right. It was so enjoyable for me to sit down here in community with someone that I did not know, but I know that we had a shared passion, and that was our faith and how our faith lived itself out in sports. I guess this has always been a part of my life and part of my own faith journey is being encouraged, whether it was at FCA camp in summer or Athletes in Action camp, and being encouraged by Christian concerts to this day that when I go and I feel that sense of community, that sense of one, that sense of worship, it um, emboldens me, it fuels me, um, it empowers me in my walk. And my time with Steve Ciszek did exactly the same. And I know he was equally encouraged. And we spent time from that day in March all the way as we sit here to mid-July, we've golfed together. I met his family. We shared together a Mariner's Faith Night. When I go out and I watch Steve Ciszek pitch now, and you're going to hear this story of that note card he pulls out of his back pocket and why he pulls it out. You're going to hear from Steve Ciszek how he really tries to live his faith out in the Major League Baseball community that's not always easy to do. You're going to hear about his delivery and how he was a nothing. I was a nothing as a baseball prospect, and all of a sudden his velocity went from 75 to 90, and he had a gift that he brought to life. And you also hear a story of someone that had no faith background whatsoever. He had no faith background, none of it. He didn't grow up with it, and it wasn't until college that it was brought to him, and then it really wasn't until his professional life that he learned how to really live it. You'll hear all of that and so much more as I sit down with Steve Ciszek way back when in spring training in Arizona. Take me back, Steve, to Carson Newman then. Take me back to, A, the decision to go there. And as you kind of view it now through kind of God's prism, did, did you see that as a pretty ordained step for you in that moment? What went into the decision-making process then and as you evaluate it now? Yeah, it was definitely ordained by God because I'm coming out of a small town in Falmouth, Massachusetts, going to a school in the middle of nowhere, Tennessee. How does that happen? No one in my class never heard of Carson Newman. Um, but the decision was originally baseball-related, you know. I played basketball and baseball in high school. I happened to be a little bit better at baseball than basketball, and uh, it got me a scholarship. And um, I knew my uh, grandmother was going to pay my way through, so I figured, you know, scholarship money is a liberal arts school. I want to be a PE teacher. Um, you know, it's a southern school. They're supposedly the rumor was they're looking for northern arms because we're a lot more fresh. And <laughs> I was like, why not? Let's just do it. You know, I wanted to be down south. Um, 
Um, it was a, D, a D2 school. I didn't think I was a D1 caliber, and not many people did. So I kind of recruited them, and it worked out. They gave me a little scholarship. And at that money. point, coming out of high school, Steve Cichek is what six? What are you about six I was, six? I was about no, yeah, six four, six five, okay. one seventy five. Uh, oh, a hardy one seventy five. Yeah, call me Bambi. <laughs> I had some nicknames. <laughs> and the velocity at that point? Uh, it was about probably seventy eight, eighty two. I remember doing a camp at Boston College. I was so nervous. Um, I topped out at like eighty six, like one pitch, I think, and I was so pumped about it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's at six four and one hundred seventy five pounds. Uh-huh. So you recruit yourself to Carson Newman. You talk them into letting yourself in. This is faith in sports. This is above and beyond. And, Steve, what you don't know is while I played football, I have always asked only one question in sports. What if? What if I would have kept pitching? I was a lefty. I loved throwing. My dad was our coach, and I threw football forever. And I threw baseball until I was about 12 or 13. And I love pitching. I love baseball. So I can't wait to get into some faith and sports with you in this arena. But you walk onto campus at Carson Newman at 6'4", buck 75. At that moment, you're thinking – what both for your professional career and your personal career well my professional career i was just thinking about pe you know because petroleum engineering right (laughs) (laughs) i wish i was that smart Uh, i was uh yeah just a pe teacher and um I don't know, it's just something I enjoyed in high school. I figured I could do it. Uh, I wanted to be a coach, too. But anyway, so I, I went there for that reason. I did not think once that I'd be even talking to major league clubs. You know, It wasn't until my freshman year, I went into my first baseball game. It was against Augusta State. They were like 14th in the nation. I'm like about to throw up. I'm so nervous. We're, we're winning at this point. I came out of the game, no outs, bases loaded. It was not even a full inning, obviously. Not a good situation. So you came into the inning, nobody on base, no outs. Yep. And you left, bases loaded, bases nobody out. Yes. Okay. Got and uh, my, our pitching coach comes up to me, fired up, like gives me like high five. I'm like, dude, that was terrible. Like I was, I was like embarrassed. Um, and uh, he's like, dude, you hit 92. I was like, Are you kidding me? Like, I, knew, I thought I was throwing hard, but not 92. Uh, and sure enough, next game, I hit 94 against um, – Kennesaw State, and uh, and then scouts started showing up. So that's your freshman year. That was my freshman year. So this is six four buck seventy five Boston College. You top out at eighty six, and you're thrilled. Hmm. And now a year later, basically, yeah. or a year and a half I later, think it was a year and a half later at this point. Yeah. Okay. And and you get up into a game, and you're throwing nineties. As you look back, at kind of your early onset of your journey, were there folks that really impacted that? Was that your own home that kind of impacted your walk? You know, when I first came to hear the gospel which what i thought was the gospel was in college i never really went to church too much as a kid um growing up in massachusetts and um i went to carson newman college it's actually carson newman university now in uh, in tennessee kind of middle of nowhere before i even went there one of the questions my dad asked was they're gonna have mandatory chapel sessions are you okay with doing that and i was like i don't care i mean i just have to show up right you know i, I had no knowledge of god or the gospel i just thought god was a genie in a bottle you'd pray to when you wanted something that's yeah. what i used them for so when i went to college uh, there's this girl there who's one uh, ended up being one of my best friends and she said you know you're a nice guy roy my nickname was roy in college you know you know we'll get but, to that in a minute <laughs> yeah <laughs> um you know I, I want you to go to heaven like do you know jesus and i was like you know not really i mean i know he's in the bible but what do you mean go to heaven I, I was i was always taught that you know if i was a good kid or a good person that that would you know kind of merit me merit my way into heaven you mm-hmm. earn your way in but I never really heard the full gospel. All I heard was the, you need Jesus, and God has a plan for your life, and that's it. Like, I didn't hear anything about the bad news. So 
who would, who doesn't want to hear that? Of course, you know, I'd want to go to heaven. So I, I, I might as well try to get to know this Jesus fellow. But it really didn't impact your life. No. I mean, I, I thought it did, but I still continue the same lifestyle. And um, there's no victory over sin. I just kept wallowing in my own sin. And, you know, thankfully, God and his patience, I believe, saved me years later, like five years down the road, six years down the road. Okay, so let's walk through this a little bit as best we can uh, from just that faith in sports perspective. You you have the fire insurance on the wall and in your back pocket, <laughs> and you're competing now, and you spent three years at Carson Newman, mm-hmm. yep. and, and you're kind of growing, and the scouts are coming. Do you know at that moment that, man, I, I may be called to called is such a believer term right it's yeah such a, it's such a faith term um maybe not called. destined yeah do, do you feel that at that moment um yeah once i remember my freshman year uh, i don't remember who we were playing but i saw a radar gun pop up um you know, i haven't seen that in person before i'm like oh it was a guy for the braves a scout from the braves and uh it's like this is getting real and then my sophomore year i was kind of hurt all year just all I, I was able to pitch was like once a weekend my elbow just kept getting tore up i think it wasn't used to the how hard the velocity i was throwing and then my junior year um was when things really started picking up i, I mean there was one game we were playing a, against our rivals tusculum there's like 25 guns sitting behind home plate and i'm like like nervous and just i was throwing pretty i was throwing 94 95 ultimately what happens what uh, it take me through the entire process of where you end up and why you end up there yeah well i'm gonna throw my team under the bus real quick in college i don't know how the level of scouts works but someone from like the front office let's say for the padres i think came in and, and watched me pitch in an inner squad game which is games you don't get typically jacked for you know you're like adrenaline's not exactly pumping it should be because these guys are watching but sure it's just not the same and I was playing at a high school field, and my car- my college team that I was pitching against, Carson Newman, just lit me all over the field in front of these guys, <laughs> and I ended up getting drafted in the fifth round by the Marlins. <laughs> God's sovereignty, right? That's right. God's infinite wisdom. He knew. <laughs> he knew that he had to get you to Florida so you would meet your friend that would ultimately, it sure sounds like, convict and challenge you, huh? No, definitely. I'm, I'm so thankful that I ended up where I was, and it was only by God's grace and his sovereignty, as you said, that I ended up there, for sure. So you go in the uh, fifth round what's that moment like what's drafted like for you for your family yeah so in 2007 was the first year they broadcasted it on television and um so i was just watching it i knew i wasn't gonna be a top rounder at that point i wasn't gonna be on tv but it'd be i'd be the, you know the second day guys when the next you know batch of draftees i guess you can say yeah. comes in and so we're looking on the computer back then was dial up they had like earthlink dial up internet and <laughs> i saw someone get drafted i think it was dixon who used to be a quarterback for oregon yeah. was drafted, I think, one pick before Dennis me. Dennis Dixon. Dennis Dixon, yeah. yeah. And uh, I saw my name pop up with Florida Marlins, and we just started jumping through the roof, just freaking out. Um, my neighbors were over. I was hugging everyone. and um, It was just an incredible experience. Um, it's something I'll never forget. I'm kind of excited about this next chapter, too. And, that's, Steve, this all builds kind of on, I think, what's coming here. Because you talk about getting to Florida, you get to the Marlins, and someone has a offensive confrontational mm-hmm. how would you define that moment where you brought you know where, where the lord brought you know, gentlemen in your life to really change your life you get to the marlins and someone has a offensive confrontational mm-hmm. how would you define that moment where you brought you know where, where the lord brought you know gentlemen in your life to really change your life uh man well offensive would be the perfect word but i also in a weird way understood that it was the loving thing to do 
And obviously now I know it was the loving thing to do. You take um, me into that day, that yep. conversation in particular? Absolutely. We were at Grace Emanuel Bible Church, and it was just a couple of ball players in the minor leagues. Um, and um, my friend Darren uh, and another pastor, uh, Matt, um, and they were sitting down. They were just going through, I think, Luke with us. And they were really just trying to pick you know, pick us apart, kind of like dive into our lives just to get to know us. And I was just sharing a tidbit of information that I thought was, you know, fine. But it ended up revealing my heart and my state as a Christian. And basically what it came down to is I was proclaiming Christ while living the life of a pagan. Huh. And they kind of called me out on it. And um, not like disrespectfully, but like, listen, this is what you're saying. This is what the scriptures say. And I remember one passage in James where they said, even the demons believe and they shudder. And at that moment, I realized, wow, like demons believe in God and they actually shudder at his presence and word. Like, Mm. I don't, you know, I say I believe in God, but I don't shudder at his word like these demons do. Like, I'm still, I'll read the word and kind of put it aside and count it as brownie points. Hey, God, I read the Bible. Right. And that was it. And I'd continue my worldly lifestyle. And um, it really convicted me. But to be quite honest with you, um, I, I avoided Darren for two years, <laughs> you know, I, but it, it, it really just impacted my heart. Like that whole year I was just, I mean, I was just every single day I was just scared to death. Like maybe I'm not a Christian. Maybe I wasn't destined to be a Christian. You'd never had really anybody at that moment be accountable kind of conf- exactly kind of confront that no one no one really held me accountable when I'd share these things they'd be like oh it's okay that's just between you and God and I'm like all right you know it sounds about right but I never really had someone take me through the scriptures and what they say and where I stand before a righteous God and it was it was a scary point in my life and I wrestled with it for about two years so you avoid them yeah, I, I did. So I, what was Darren's job technically at this point, and where are you at? <laughs> so Darren was a former, he's with the Marlins, okay. um, and he retired. And um, he was just starting seminary school. Grace Emanuel Bible Church okay. is, also has the Expositor Seminary. He was, he was just starting, and he was just you know trying to shepherd baseball players. He had a heart for the baseball players. And I was in high A in 2009, and I repeated in 10. I had a good year in 9, but for whatever reason, I repeated in 10. So you could so be around Darren. There. Yeah. So you could be around Darren. So I'd poke my more. head in the church here and there, but... I'd run away as soon as the sermon was over. Would you really? Yeah. I mean, I, that, you're not exaggerating. You would purposely try to kind of duck out of I the would way. duck out, yeah. Because? Because I didn't. I knew what he was going to ask me, and I didn't want to answer the question. Were you, know? you tug? What, were you, was it a tug both ways? Well, basically, is who I was dating. I was, I was dating a girl um, who was not a believer, who's now my wife. <laughs> she is a believer. Um, it's incredible you know, what God's done. But anyways, I knew he was going to ask me like how that situation was going, and I, I knew that... Uh, I didn't want to answer that question. I'd been introduced a little bit. I think I'd been called uh, early in my life, but really it was a youth pastor when I was in junior high that brought me to the Lord. And Scott had the wisdom at that point to say, I need you and Jason and Eric and me every Wednesday at Mrs. Turner's. And we're going to get together before school, and we're going to have an accountability. If you guys really want to do this, right, if you're going to really say you're this and you're going to really proclaim this, then it's my job who is I kind of shepherd some of you in your faith. And as a good wow. shepherd, I may challenge you a little bit. So we have what we call the hot seat. And we would sit there at breakfast, and each of us would have to go on the hot seat. And we're like, oh, man, really? And he'd be like, all right, what do you do You know, with your girlfriend, you know? You know, were you this, were you that? And it was, at times, obviously, as sinners, as you said earlier, we all fall short. And you're on that hot seat, and it's smoking. Mm-hmm. It's smoking hot. And at that moment, things are smoking hot. And you're like, Darren, I, I don't <laughs> want it. I'm not going to look at you. I'm going to duck out of the way from you. But then ultimately, what? Oh, man. I mean, ultimately, like I said, I wrestled and wrestled like crazy. I, I actually 
started reading the Bible more and examining deeper and, and starting to build convictions but not having victory over sin still still going back and forth yeah. um, but my you know my main focus was on on her on my wife Marissa and um, well my girlfriend at the time and um, we, long story short we ended up breaking up for like four months um, and you know I wanted to make sure that she was a believer if we were to get back together again she professed Christ and still we got back together um, after the baseball season this is actually after I got called up to the big leagues that year wow you know I, I don't think I was still a believer I was still looking for that get back in that relationship um, but like I said in the Lord's providence and in his patience you know he saved the both of us I think you know about a year later is when it's, it wasn't like a sit down like I got on my hands and knees and cried like all of a sudden the word was just illuminated I had this crazy oh. hunger for getting in the word diving in it with other people getting the discipleship relations and um, I was just just dying to listen to what God's word had to say about my sin and how, how can I you know clean that part of my life up do you think there's any way you'd be walking where you're walking today married to marissa uh, do you think there's any way in the world any of that would be there if darren was not in your life in the impactful way he was in that conversation he was challenging you years ago you know no i don't think so i, I still think i'd be going to you know shallow churches and just seeking stuff that would kind of make me feel good about myself that's all i wanted was to feel good about myself and that's the way i went about life and up until about 2012 um you know i wouldn't be treating my wife the way i do now I wouldn't be loving her like the scripture says i should like i do now i mean my whole life would be drastically different and it's not only darren i mean i just i mentioned that because that was my um you know that was the biggest moment of my life where i realized where i sat before god um as a sinner and how how bad i needed you know christ you know to to um die for my sin and that how, was the knock right that was the big knock in my life and um it's something i obviously am super appreciative of and um but there's other people like chris lane the miami marlins chaplain has been instrumental in my in my growth as a believer um taking me out of my comfort zones like having a conversation like this mm-hmm. you know on a podcast probably wouldn't happen if it wasn't for him because i was so shy and timid um, you know, I was just scared to death and he would always take me out of my comfort zone, make me sure things like this in front of, you know, the youth and getting me to his programs that he runs in Florida. I mean, it's, it's been, those two guys have been instrumental in my walk for sure. How do I present this gospel message? How do I present it? How do I share it? How do I illuminate it with my teammates, with an organization? How do you go about that process? I think first for me is living it out in front of them. You know, I don't want to be going up to someone I don't know and them not knowing me at all and what I'm about. Um, I want them to see how I live my life, you know, and I try to, you know, obviously to the best of my ability, you know, to live out a life according to what the scriptures preach and, and what God's will for my life is. And from that point, they hopefully see... Um, myself different from you know worldly standards you know they they see something different about me that's hopefully attractive and if i see a softness in a certain person that i may be able to approach them on this mm-hmm. then i'll go for it um that's who who i usually try to you know talk to is people that are are, are soft that seem like they're going to be soft and pliable to the word if i were to present it for, to them and that only happens if a getting to know them allowing them to get to know me too mm-hmm. and then that opens a door for me to you know to share with them yeah have you had a few of those opportunities in yeah baseball? you know i find it a lot as a lot of guys um they say they they believe but they're kind of unsure and that's where 
that's where the softness comes in and that's where I like to you know have those conversations um, there's been a couple times already this year in the spring where I've had great talks with some guys on the mm. team and um, you know I'm not saying I walk around with a poster board I mean I just like I said I, I'm going to be around these guys all year long like I'm just looking for opportunities to share opportunities where I can shed light on God's grace I still can't get away from that word offensive <laughs> do you find yourself as you're walking in here because you got big leaguers you got big egos you got big contracts uh, do you find Find yourself in that delicate balance of I don't want to offend, yet I know I've been kind of called to illuminate as well. Yeah, that's it's really tough. Um, I think for me, it's just staying true true to the word. And uh, there was a time last year I won't mention any names or what exactly we were talking about, but I was challenged on a uh, on an airplane um, about what I believe in a certain situation by a guy that you know didn't necessarily believe and. But who was wrestling with it? He was soft. He was just really putting me on the spot and it's something he could not get past. And um, I just shared with him what God's truth was. And I just did it faithfully and prayerfully and, and lovingly. You know, I didn't want to steer him in the wrong direction and, and soften the word to him. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he didn't take it too well. And he went around kind of just, you know, ripping me and a couple other guys that were chatting with him apart with teammates. And mm. a, a small part of me was kind of sinfully hurt by it like man this guy's kind of you know ruining our reputation but I was like this is ridiculous like you know Christ died you know for this guy right here if he were to believe uh, I need to be strong in this and it actually brought a lot of satisfaction to me knowing that I stayed true to the word and God was honored by that was in college, Steve, I had uh, very much professed and lived my faith. And I loved it. I loved the guys that challenged me. Mm-hmm. I really did. I think I still do. Because in the media field, I got a lot of them, right? Yeah, they oh, really yeah. challenge it. I'm going to be really curious to see what the Lord's going to do with this podcast. Because uh-huh. <laughs> my hope is, and I'm sure, as you know in the truth, if you're going to walk in it, persecution's coming. Right. And and I always loved guys, you'd much rather kind of revelation, right? Be hot or cold. Mm-hmm. I don't want you lukewarm. Like, if you want to spit in my face, spit in my face, man. But don't, like, talk behind. And I had teammates that did that. I had yeah. teammates that came right out. A guy by the name of who I love, Olin Krutz, mm-hmm. was a teammate of mine. And... Uh, uh, and I had sprained an ankle on a game, a big game against Nebraska. We were both top five in the country. And I had sprained my ankle and uh, I couldn't come back from it. You know, it was the first time in my career where really where I was knocked out of a game and taped it up and I just could not put any weight on it. And I got knocked out and we ended up losing that game. And in the newspaper the next day when I came in, in you know, out of treatment or whatever, I see taped up in my locker uh, the article from the newspaper that said I had a sprained ankle. And he had highlighted, and some of the other guys had highlighted it, wrote Philippians 4.13, question mark. Wow. If you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, how come you can't play with a sprained ankle? Wow. His, it was basically the impetus. And I'm not even reading, wasn't even reading into it, right? He and a bunch of the other fellow, like, that's the impetus, like that challenge of your just faith right to your face. And I don't know about you, Steve, there's part of it, you're right, you're kind of hurt initially in your human flesh and your sin, like... Man, that really hurts. Yeah. You know, you've seen me work with you and lay it on the line for you, and I love you guys, but man, that really is how you see kind of my fire insurance, I guess. <laughs> and, and, you know, right? And it didn't protect me in this fire, but yet there's got to be part of you that loved that opportunity. No, I absolutely loved it. Um, in fact, uh, one of my you know biggest battles as a believer is people pleasing. Like I want to be everyone's buddy. You know, yeah. there's some good with that, but mostly bad because 
you know, I, I maybe I don't speak up as much as I ought to. It's something that I, you know, I work on consistently. And this was one of those moments where, you know, I didn't want to let back. I knew God was probably testing me. This would be a nice little trial in my life, and yeah. it's just going to help me grow and persevere and steadfastness. And um, and I just wanted to be, like I said, true to the gospel. And um, I, the last thing I wanted to do is be ashamed of Christ in that moment um, because you know I love Him dearly and I you know treasure Him. You know, one thing that's pretty neat here, Steve, is um, through this podcast and through a foundation um i'm able to i didn't tell you this ahead of time and and you know it's not an enormous gift but i want to bless you know a foundation in a group you know through the gifts i've been given so through this podcast we have a foundation that we want to go and support that we're going to gift um in your name or where oh, in, wow. your, in your direction uh is there is there a group is there a church is there a pair of ministry that we can uh, kind of partner in you through this process absolutely i'd love to um help i would love to partner you with the expositor seminary at our church you know they're just pumping out amazing pastors that are faithful to the word i mean i awesome. see it hand in, i see it day in day out when i'm at home and it's incredible just the amount of work these uh, men put in um to knowing their bible to be able to handle the word of scripture rightly and um I, i'd love for you to be able to be a part of that yeah we will absolutely do that can we talk about failure in baseball sure uh, it said before that baseball is a game of failure Right. Especially for the hitters, if they you know fail seven and a half in today's baseball, <laughs> seven and a half out of ten times and find themselves on base one out of four or hitting one out of four, they're having success. There's a lot of failure. Uh, you're closer, you know, you're late innings guy, man. You're coming in when you know games often on the line, and and you get something next to you called a save or a blown save, right? It is uh, in many ways a game of handling both success and certainly handling handling failure. How does your relationship with Christ live itself out through the failures and successes of the actual game? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I learned a lot last year, but I think I learned more in 2015 when I was closing for the Marlins. Um, I just had a really bad year, um, and I just couldn't figure it out. My velocity was down. My stuff wasn't as sharp, and I was just really uncomfortable and couldn't figure it out. And I just... It's not that I wrestled with God. I just didn't really trust in what he was doing in my life at that moment. And long story short, it taught me a lot about my faith and where I needed to kind of bulk up, I guess, you know, to dig in. Um, so it prepared me for, for you know, future failures. And, and last year, you know, as a closer, you know, this, the worst thing about being a closer, obviously, is losing the game for your team. Like, you know... I know the fans get mad and everything, but there's nothing like walking into a locker room, looking around and seeing your teammates down because, you know, they gave everything they had um, and we just couldn't pull it out in the last inning because I couldn't get three outs, you know. Mm. There's just no worse feeling than that in baseball. So for me, um, you know, I always carry scripture in my back pocket. It's Colossians 3.23 with whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as you're working for the Lord and not for men. And if there's any sort of failure, you know, at the end of the day, if I look in the mirror and say, I gave everything I had um, as, you know, for God's glory, you know, as pitching as almost almost an act of worship for me, if I gave everything I possibly had, God is honored by that. Mm. And not only that, my teammates got everything I had, every ounce of energy I had out of me. And, you know, I can live with that. I just, it just didn't work out that day. And um, then for me, it's just to move on. You know, the last thing, the thing I've really focused on also this last year is when things went south, I didn't want to bring it home to my family. I, I, I'd sit in the locker room until I was ready to go home and just mm. put a smile on my face around my little girl and, and my wife. So um, it was really hard uh, times like that, but it also grow, it makes you grow not only as a believer, but as, you know, as a man too, 
it was tough, but it also there's a lot of good that comes out of failure. So was Colossians three twenty three in your pocket in twenty fifteen, or was that something that arose out of twenty fifteen? No, that's something that's been in my pocket since like two thousand eleven. Actually, oh. it was weird. I just came across that, and um, I just thought it was you know great for Christians in sports. You know, um, I mean, it's talking about you know honoring your master in that you know yeah. in that context. But I mean, honestly, it's it's honoring God in that context. But as a you know working for you know master yeah um and it's just like you know working for the mariners you know i give god honor the mariners get uh everything i have you know that's that's just the way it is and then you're a great employee of whatever whatever job you have you know i'm a great employee of the mariners um and i just thought that was you know a cool thing to have in my pocket just to help me put things in perspective that it's not about me out there it's not about my performance i don't need to fear man i just need to please god and it makes the game easier how do you want to maximize this platform in the years ahead? Where do you see baseball, uh, this game, this gift that you have? Where do you see it kind of in your journey ahead? It's tough for me to think about the future. The only thing I really focus on is being faithful. You know, that's all I really try to think about is and everything I do You know, is just being faithful. Um, I don't want to waste any opportunities that God gives me to be able to speak or to live out, you know, my faith in front of people, especially people I don't even know. Like me? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so for me, it's just, you know, take each moment by moment, just being faithful, consistently renewing my mind. Mm-hmm. And, um, cause a lot of times, you know, there's, you know, certain conversations or situations with failure, you know, you yep. can lash out in anger or do something stupid and one person sees you and it ruins your testimony. So mm. for me, it's just being faithful and, you know, wherever God, however long God has me play baseball, mm. and, um, that's what I'm going to do. Greatest encouragement, words of wisdom that you would give either to a youngster that's like, oh, you know, I'm in my church and, and this faith thing and sports thing and I love baseball and, and I've heard of this Steve Ciszek guy and even my little son Titus tries to mimic your throwing motion and everything else. Okay. The greatest encouragement you would give to, you know, that little kid aspiring to do what you're doing and living out this dream and greatest encouragement both, I guess, as a player mm-hmm. in that kind of sport end and certainly on a faith end as well. It goes hand in hand for me. So I'm just going to say this. Um, the best encouragement I've ever had was that when I was struggling in 15, um, my, one of the pastors at our church, church, associate pastor and an elder, um, Jay Pitt, said, and this is just me kind of summarizing it. He said, what Jesus did on the cross was the greatest athletic achievement ever made. So um, understanding you know, what he did on the cross, we should, as an athlete, we should not put forth less effort than what Christ did when he died for our sins on the cross. That was kinda, that's kind of in summary. Mm-hmm. It was a whole... That's so impactful if you think about it. Like God is watching uh, every little thing we do. If we cut corners and anything we do in life, He sees that, and it's gonna be we're gonna be held for it. Mm. Whether we're a believer or not, He still we're still gonna be held held accountable. Obviously, if you're a believer, Christ paid for that. Yep. But still, you know, God God's watching you. And the last thing I want to do is cut a corner um, and have to face God, you know, and say, Hey, this is I saw you do this. Um, you know, you slacked off here. You know, my son mm. endured the cross for you uh, and did it willingly. Well, I've sure learned an awful lot through these podcasts. And I think that's my biggest takeaway. Every single conversation, every single moment, every single appointment. I had a minister say to me one time that he believes in really divine appointments. And I really believe the same, that all of these podcasts have been unique in their own way. This was the first that you heard an active player. Unlike many of the other previous podcasts of former players and former coaches, 
which is awesome and empowering and encouraging. Here's a guy, and you heard it from Steve Ciszek, that is being confronted about his faith, even on his own ball club here in Seattle with teammates that are challenging and questioning. That fuels me. That empowers me. That's exactly what this podcast is all about. It is the intersection of our faith and sports. It isn't always easy. It isn't always a perfect ride. And Steve Ciszek doesn't close out every game and have perfect innings every time. Nor is he perfect in his walk and in his journey, as I think you heard from him as well. But he's a guy that's living it now and living it in that professional world. And maybe you'll be a little bit like me. That now every time he comes to the mound and he pulls that note card out of his back pocket, and he reads over Colossians 3.23 that whatever he does, he does it uh, not for himself or for the applause on himself, but he does it to glorify God. Maybe you'll watch him and be encouraged in a whole new way. I sure know I am.